Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast with your host and owner of multiple businesses, a mentor, investor, and dental surgeon, Brad Thornton. Hi guys, welcome to the Dental Business Podcast, Brad Thornton. Today we're talking about revolution versus evolution and specifically talking in regards to sort of purchasing a practice, a dental practice and, and moving in. And the two extremes really, sort of the evolution extreme is the idea that, you know what, you, you, you move in, you know, you don't really make any changes, uh, you gradually and slowly evolve and, you know, the practice grows and changes with you over time. And this could take months or years um, to, to you know, even start to look anything remotely different to how it was before you bought it. And then the extreme other side of that in the sort of revolution, the extreme sort of revolutionary changes would be where you, you come in, you make massive changes to the visuals, you know, you kick out all the old dentists, you get new dentists in, you know, you make changes to all, every, every single aspect of the practice. And, you know, neither side of those extremes are really helpful, to be honest. Um, but I think a lot of people tend to err on the side of caution. They tend to kind of feel as though the best thing to do when you take over a dental practice is to be more evolutionary rather than revolutionary. So you want to kind of go in, you know, you might not even, I mean, I, to be honest, when I came to this practice, when I bought this, what, 10 years ago, and it's called Ivory Dental Practice, it was the, you know, the name of the previous dentist beforehand, you know, J.G. Hodgson and Associates. There was even a part of me back then over a decade ago that thought, you know what, I won't even change the name. I'll move in and I'll and I'll leave it exactly the same. It'll be called JG Hodgson Associates for six months, for 12 months. You know, I didn't know I didn't know exactly when, but I was really nervous about the idea of changing its name. It'd been there for 26 years before that. You know, would changing the name mean that no one comes back? I mean, is, is anyone gonna recognize it? You know. Um, which was ridiculous because um, I'm going to challenge the idea of of being like that, and obviously that was a bit ridiculous. But even the idea of moving in and yeah, you change your name, but you know you don't do your, you know you don't change the website much. You don't change any procedural or process stuff at the practice, any systems. You don't really do any particular new marketing. You don't uh, get rid of the old dentist; he stays on. Um, and you're very nice and you do things in bits and this, that and the other. I'm going to challenge the idea of that because I actually think that, you know, from experience that there isn't a huge amount, unless you're this extreme in terms of the revolutionary side of things, unless you're making massive, massive changes all in one dump, poof, there's very little actually in terms of negative outcome and, and, and consequence and and things that are actually going to going to happen if you're a little bit more revolutionary than what rather than being overly patient, slow, and waiting for things to change gradually. Now, saying that, there are some benefits to the idea of having the sort of evolution of a practice and doing things slowly. I mean, the main benefit is that it's easier. And if you go into a practice and don't make many changes, it's far more straightforward if the staff that are there the manager, the nurses, the admin staff, reception, all of those people, they just carry on doing exactly the same thing they've always done. You don't have to change anything. Uh, you don't sort of 
challenge them. You don't have to think about what you're doing and you can kind of feel as though, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a dentist. I'm just going to do my work. I'm going to, you know, identify any issues that crop up over time and we'll make changes along the way. You know, I'll, I'll sort of, I'll feel my way forward. You know, it's a lot easier doing that. It makes you feel safer. Um, I think sometimes people are very concerned and worried about what changes will will do with regards to patients. You know, are, you, are they not going to like the new name? The fact that it's a new name, they're going to know someone else owns it. Are they then going to lose the loyalty that they've built up over time and go somewhere else? Are you going to lose customers, patients? Are the staff going to be worried about changes? You know, they're in their nice little safe work bubble. Are, you know, as, an, as a new owner, you can be worried about the, the reaction of staff as well. So there's this sense that by being slow, making small changes and gradually over time that, you know, you keep everyone happy, things are easier, it's less stressful, you don't have to do as much work. Obviously, you've got to, to learn what you're doing and, you know, assuming that you've never owned a practice before and even those that have owned a practice before, you know, you, you kind of, you, you need to figure out what you're doing. And by not making many changes, you don't have to focus on much else other than being a dentist and just getting to know the practice a bit and then you can make changes gradually. Now, the benefit of having a more sort of revolutionary approach is kind of the same as the negatives of the evolutionary approach. Now, the problem is, that, you know, if you move in and work slowly, then not only do the staff feel comfortable and carry on doing what they're doing, but there's a very big risk that you start falling into their habits. You start thinking the way that the old practice was run. You start doing things how it used to get done and you lose the opportunity to put your stamp and make changes that are actually essential to get the practice moving because you know what, sometimes you've got a practice and the, you know, when they retire, the practice is, is, is on fire, but you know what, it very rarely is. They often need new blood and that kind of injection of energy to be able to start to progress and advance further forward because you know what, you should never be in a position where you're resting on your laurels. You know, you should always be accepting new patients. And if you're starting to reach capacity, looking at ways to expand because if you purposefully kind of restrict your business getting busier and growing and developing, then eventually you're gonna start moving backwards. And then it's very difficult to become agile because you probably become lazy. It's hard to introduce new ideas if your mind isn't in that, in that space and, and, and trying to do things new after you've become sort of lazy and comfortable can be quite hard. So when you take over a practice, if you're going in of the mindset, well, I'm gonna see how it goes. We'll carry on as it, as it is. The risk is that you actually aren't able then to make the changes that you need to because you've lost that opportunity. The same applies to the staff and also patients as well. You know what, some people take over practices and I've heard, I mean, there's even a big corporate that um, uses a case study of one of their clinicians who they bought the practice off, who sort of is advertising how good it is to sell to this corporate. He says some of the patients didn't even know for 12 months that the, uh, this corporate had bought the practice. Now, that's a corporate, so it's a bit different, but there are some people that feel like they don't want to tell patients. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to make anyone aware that a new, you know, someone new is owning it. 
but that's just the wrong way to be. You've always got to be honest. The easiest way to lose loyalty is by being dishonest. And if, if people find that there's been dishonesty or you've not been true to them, then that's probably going to piss people off more than the idea that they've got a new owner of, of the practice that they've been going to. So there's this opportunity that you'll lose if you're going too slowly where you may fall into old habits in terms of the practices, old habits, and you might start doing things the way that they used to do it. And then you can't really make the change that you want because you're not in the right space to do that. But as well as that, all the staff are expecting something to change. So they tend to be quite receptive at the beginning to changes. You're the new boss. You know, unless you're going in there and you're going to be an asshole to them and make ridiculous so I've set ridiculous expectations and you know, you're a real taskmaster and you're not a very good boss anyway, then the staff are actually gonna be quite receptive to the idea of doing things a bit different. They're gonna understand and they're probably very aware of things that maybe weren't being done particularly well or the previous owner has got a good relationship with them and he's made them aware that they're bringing in a new owner to be able to maybe push the practice forward. There are things that they don't do very well and staff know you know, they'll, they'll realize that maybe some part of the practice isn't running as well as, as it could. And, you know, the new person that's coming in will hopefully make some changes and the practice will improve. And they'll understand that they may have to change what they do, what the practice does, the way they are, some procedural stuff, systems, processes, or whatever. So again, it's the opportunity cost of not doing things at the beginning and leaving things too long. And, you know, sort of having a real issue where the staff begin to not be as receptive. Um, it becomes harder to make changes when they've sort of, you know, they're, they're not primed for the changes. They think, oh, well, okay, everything's pretty easy again. You know, we're going back to normal, everything's fine. And then trying to introduce those changes further down the line, it can be a lot more difficult. Um, you may have built up relationships with these staff members by then. Um, and then, you know, acting like the boss that you need to be to, to kind of appraise and critique and change people's job roles or, you know, anything like that. Um, not, you know, changing job roles, but you know what I mean. It can be quite difficult if you don't do it at the beginning. So actually, I think that looking at things a bit differently before you go into a new practice and, you know, don't be too nervous about making these changes, being a little bit more revolutionary. Um, the, you know, the, the kind of slowly, slowly, nicely, nicely approach and, and you know, modifying things slowly over time is it, quite safe and easy and maybe that suits your personality. But actually nowadays, I think, you know, if you're seeking to buy a practice, then you know, that is an entrepreneurial way to think and hopefully there's a spark inside you that, that can relate to the idea that you want a practice that you know is working for you is is suiting your own personality and you're wanting to own a practice because maybe you're not content with being an associate and you want to run your own business and make your own decisions and be in control of your sort of destiny but i think in order to do that you need to create the right environment around you so when you go into a practice and you purchase one feel okay about making changes straight away you know, changing the visual, changing the name, being very, very open and honest with staff and patients that you're the new owner and that, you know, the value and vision, the vision and the values of the practice and, and what you stand for and, you know, what your goals are, how you want to get there, where, what the sort of roles the staff are going to play in the production of your 
dental practice performance, if that is a good way to think about it. And with the patients and with staff, you know, honesty is always the best policy, but what we need to make sure is that we're reassuring them. Because even though, and, and I've suffered with this, you know, this was, a, it was Barry Alton actually that, that pointed this out with me when I talked to him about certain things, how it's very easy if you're an entrepreneur or you're a creative person and you come up with ideas and you're maybe not ch chasing shiny pennies, but that kind of chasing shiny penny syndrome, you know, where you're buzzing around with ideas. Actually, a lot of people that work for you and um, the people that are around you at work, they strive for stability. They're an employee. So yeah, be revolutionary when you're coming with your ideas and to make changes to make the practice your own. But you've got to provide the stability and reassurance to the members of the team that you've got their best interests at heart. That, you know, you're, it's a 360 appraisal. So you need to take criticism and you need to be able to adapt yourself and make sure that the staff stay on board. Now, that's not to say we want staff to stay on just because they're existing members of the team. You know, if they can't keep up with changes and actually adapt to how you want your practice to be, then it's important that they're, you know, the dead wood is shed and, you know, you get rid of the team members that aren't going to sort of keep up with you and your practice and your practice vision. So that is really important. But it's also important that the key members of the team and the members of the staff that are going to be very important to you moving forward and support your vision are on board and understand that you're providing a stable environment for them to work and you're nurturing their ability to work at your practice. Same with patients. Patients understand when new owners come on board. They understand they're not going to have the same dentist forever. You know, the, the old saying as well is that the patients are a little bit more dog-like than cat-like. Um, hang on, got that the wrong way around. They're more cat-like than dog-like. They're a little bit more loyal to a location than a person. As much as we think that patients love us and will follow us, actually, it's often to do with the location. So as a new owner... If you can come in, even if the previous owner has gone, um, if they've retired, bonus, even if they've moved to another practice or moved somewhere else, you know what? There are going to be some that follow them, but the majority will stay with you provided you're providing them with good treatment, <clears throat> caring um, treatment. You know, you're sort of doing everything that you should be doing really as a good dentist and a good dental practice. Um, so... So the main thing really to think about is if you're in a position where you're buying a dental practice, you know what, we're, it's post-COVID, well, it's not post, it's still COVID, but if you're buying a dental practice and you're worried about making changes or you know, you're not sure about what to do with the old principal and you want to tie them in for a few years because you want to transition slowly and, and all of these things that tend to, to go through our minds, don't be worried about more radical changes you know what, it was Monique Versant actually about 10 years ago when I, just before I bought the practice or maybe as I bought it, I was chatting to him on the Tipton course and I mentioned that I'd just, you know, we bought this private practice and the previous principal and his uni mate were still working as associates at the practice and he said to me, get rid of him, straight away get rid of him. And at the time I had absolutely no idea how true that was. Uh, you know, keeping sort of, not always, but keeping some of the old guard in the practice 
because you're nervous about getting rid of them and losing patience can actually be quite detrimental. You know, often if you run the numbers, these associates and, and past principals, you know what, they're comfortable. They probably don't run a profitable surgery. They probably cost you money for you to keep them on board. So you need to be willing to get rid of them and feel confident that actually if you're providing a good service and a good treatment and you know what the customer, the patient journey is there and you've got a fantastic team around you and, and you're you know, making the, the vision of the practice really, really obvious to the staff and they're on board and all of that and you're you know, providing fabulous care, then it's, it's going to do you so much better to get in new fresh blood, fresh associates and get rid of some of the old ones. Um, case by case and sometimes you know you're going to be actually now that's not true for every single practice so it's obviously case by case but um just the the, the, uh, the point is don't be nervous don't be scared be confident make the change that you feel you need to be reassuring to staff be reassuring to patients um be a good dentist provide good treatment be honest be open but maybe you need to be a little bit more evolutionary than wait don't get nervous don't be nervous don't be lazy don't be slow and most importantly, be you. You know, let your personality run through. Be yourself. Let the practice represent who you are. Don't fall into the habit of what used to be. You know, question how things were. Make sure that you know what you're buying. You know the change that you want to make. Go in there with a plan. Execute it. And before you know it, the practice will be yours. The staff will be on board. The patients will love you and you'll have a successful practice moving forward. Hope you enjoyed that one. Brad Thornton, Dental Business Podcast, and I will see you next time.